0: We get our heads so wrapped around this notion that we have a problem, we have an issue. It's like, yeah, we do. But I would like to talk about how we've got not just a solution, but we've got a a possibility. We've got an opportunity to do better than we've ever done before.
1: Welcome back to The First 16. I am Sarah Boivin-Chabot.
2: And I'm Kirk Finken. In this episode, we're talking about food loss and food waste. It's complex. And it's also new territory for Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada.
1: In terms of scope, it's global, national and local. It's in our homes. It's also a loaded topic.
2: Yeah, and it's loaded with unused nutrients. And when it rots in municipal landfills, it's loaded with and releases methane.
1: I mean, it's loaded emotionally. It's that guilty feeling we get from watching news reports about food waste. Nobody wants to admit they are wasting food.
2: Some people are even blase about it, too. Like it's just like a sign of power to throw out food. That, That kind of bugs me.
1: But if we look at it the same way our first guest looks at it, it can be seen as an opportunity. And we have an important challenge that was launched recently that is a unique way of finding solutions.
2: So let's hear from those people who are taking the lead on this issue.
0: My name is Denise Phillip, and I'm a senior policy advisor with the National Zero Waste Council. I've been with the council since its inception, so about 2012. And I've always worked on the food loss and waste file.
2: The National Zero Waste Council started in 2013 as an initiative within Metro Vancouver. Metro Vancouver is a regional level of government, so it's, it's not the city, it's the metropolitan area, which includes 23 municipalities and one First Nation.
1: Waste management, of course, is a municipal jurisdiction.
2: Right. And some years back, Metro Vancouver was setting out aggressive waste reduction targets. And they quickly realized that they could never meet these targets working alone. Food production, food processing, food packaging, food transport, these are all federal and provincial jurisdictions.
1: So I guess they reached out?
2: Mm -hmm. Yep, to the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, businesses, and other levels of government.
0: And we said, we have a big waste problem in Canada. We don't even acknowledge that it's a problem. It's huge, it's costing us uh, billions of dollars and it has massive climate implications. We gotta do something about it and we're only gonna be effective if we work collaboratively and if we work with people that are outside just our region. That was the birth of the council.
2: And fast forward to today, the council is a dynamic organization trying to come to grips with some pretty big issues.
1: Big issues for sure. In Canada, we waste over half the food that we produce.
2: According to a recent study, we waste 58% of our food.
1: We have some gaps in the system, and it's not just little Tommy who's not eating his broccoli.
2: No, in fact, some experts think consumer waste is just a small slice of that 58%. So I asked Denise to identify the gaps and opportunities, but she, she started with the elephant in the room, measuring and monitoring.
0: We need to know where we're at to know where we're going. So you need to be able to to measure and monitor what are your current impacts? How much waste are we generating? What's it made of? Where's it happening in the supply chain? Who can do something about it? So the measuring and monitoring is attached to a target. So we always talk about a 50% reduction by 2030. That's in line with the the WRI global target. So we need to measure and monitor, and that's for all representatives in the supply chain. That's food businesses, that's government making sure that we're all agreeing on the terms we're using and that we're all measuring and monitoring the same things and uh, for the same end is really fundamental to being able to track any kind of change in the country.
2: Okay and what about the physical infrastructure of the food system?
0: Canada is big. We're a huge country and whether we're getting food from the farm to people or whether we're getting surplus food from retail to charitable outlets for example there's a transportation issue and then there's also a storage issue and often it's a cold storage issue more than a hot storage issue and we don't have really good infrastructure that allows shared common space where we can take food move it across parts of the country in a way that's efficient and effective and doesn't have a huge climate impact, and that the food gets there one piece. It doesn't rot on the way, for example. And that that we've got some sort of central area where we can store it for a period of time that, again, it doesn't go bad while it's waiting to be delivered.
2: What about the supply chain itself? Any gaps or issues in that?
0: You know, we really run our food supply chain um around volume and get it just in time right so that means i want to plan ahead i want to you know lock in to a 200 pound order and it's got to arrive by april right and we know we all have to be more dynamic than that and the only way to be more dynamic than that is to make sure that we're working locally with those relationships and that we're working throughout a supply chain. So we're leveraging each other, but we're working collaboratively. So if a par- if a farmer has a really good year, can we make use of that bumper crop? If a farmer doesn't have a very good year, can we uh, lower expectations, lower, lower our purchases without penalties? Because right now there's often penalties built into the procurement process throughout a supply chain.
2: I guess there's a question of supply and demand too, right?
0: So if you spend a lot of time Growing food, growing food, growing food, and you don't eat it, and you don't eat it, you don't eat it, so you have to grow more food. You know, like if that's the cycle you're in, your climate contributions from all the trucks driving around strawberries that never get eaten, it's actually huge.
2: And so because the food system is also opportunistic, do you see any opportunistic gaps?
0: I think we could do a lot more with innovation in the kind of food that we eat. We want healthy, nutritious foods. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything too weird necessarily, but we need to rethink what we currently consider waste. Making sure that we are being as creative as possible in what can constitute a food source is really important. I know I heard a really great story from um, a dairy representative in the US who spoke about the time before curds and um, you know, ways and curds. We have a poem about that, but, you know, it really wasn't very typical for people to eat curds until they started uh, really trying to market (laughs) curds. It's all over poutine. You know, spinach that may not be good for a salad can be made into spinach pucks that are then thrown into smoothies. That's another common example, right? And this, this is kind of an exciting space because one, and Canada's economy is largely made up of, of, of SMEs, of small to medium-sized enterprises. That's really the bulk of our, that's our economic engine. And they're characterized by being nimble and innovative. Um, and if we can support SMEs to um, step into this, like creative food space, I feel like that's a really feel-good, positive um, solution with a good economic return that also reduces food waste.
2: So that is at the production and processing levels that there are gaps. What about other places in the food system?
0: Gaps. Are there gaps where most waste is occurring? Um, Procurement. I've talked a little bit about that. Uh, Household consumer waste. And that's really about, you know, we purchase too much. We impulse buy when we go into a grocery store. How many of us these days make, you know, our weekly list? Like, oh, we're going to meal plan out, Right. I'm gonna make burritos on Monday and I'm gonna make pasta on Wednesdays and then I buy food that is just for those meals. So actually doing a little bit of meal planning. And then how do we store food at home? I think the storage issue is important at home and then anywhere in between farm and home so that we don't lose we don't lose food to improper storage.
2: Okay, and that would probably bring us to the best before dates.
0: We know the best before dates are only about peak freshness they're not a nutrition or a health and safety measure and there's a lot of public confusion around that so there are many food items that are that have best before dates applied and i would say they're applied to move the inventory they're not applied from a, a food loss and waste reduction perspective nor about really servicing the consumer except maybe when it comes to to taste there's so many layers to this
2: we could devote a whole episode to each of these gaps i think
1: and in some cases the supply chains are global
2: yeah for sure and denise definitely has something to say on that but she was looking at it from a municipal budget perspective
0: so I would say that part of COVID, what I think COVID did tell us, is that our global supply chains are a problem. And relocalizing a lot of supply chains is going to be critical. And I know that there are some people working on this that are suggesting some really interesting solutions. I think it's possible. So food waste, we know, has a, has a climate contribution. Mostly it's through methane that comes out of landfills from rotting organics. But there's also the transportation of food as a regional government responsible for uh, waste. um, We know that we can and should do a better job of managing it. And it's costing us really millions of dollars. We can't afford to spend (laughs) millions of dollars on dealing with our garbage because we got to put better water treatment systems in place. And they, we've got a lot of costs coming up. So it just makes good fiscal sense for us to start thinking about how do we ma- manage our waste differently. And then I think as as local governments part of a country that is committed to addressing climate, we have a, a responsibility to tackling this issue.
2: And What about other levels of government?
0: There's a role for the federal government and the provincial governments to kind of come together and work out the harmonization piece. So, what are the policies that we want to harmonize and then how do we set the policy landscape? I know a lot of people will say funding needs to come from federal government or funding needs to come from the provinces. And sure we could talk about that and I'd like to talk about that too <laughs> for sure. But it's not just about funding. I think we need to see leadership at those levels around support for innovation with SMEs and that is because that is a commitment to a Canadian economy that's gonna stay current, that's gonna become circular, and that's gonna stay globally competitive. So if we don't support that innovation, we will just lag behind. There's one area she hasn't talked about.
1: What about food waste on the farm?
2: Well, although she grew up on a small farm in the Fraser Valley in BC, Denise didn't really talk about that. It's just a little bit beyond the areas of her focus. But she did say that the loss of food on the farm usually just stays on the farm. It becomes livestock feed or goes back into the soil.
1: Maybe a good subject for another episode. I'm curious though, has she seen any interesting models in other countries?
2: Yes, she did, absolutely.
1: I take
0: a lot of RQs for the work of the council from other countries and other places, but I don't ever find one model that we can just import. However, that being said, um, really love some of the the initiatives in places like Copenhagen where they have a best before date store. If it's got a bit, you know, we're not, they're not using best before dates to move items necessarily. It's actually going to a store and you can go into the store and you can, everything in the store has got uh, an expired, you know, it's past, not expired, it's past its best before date. You can buy food that's a little cheaper, but it's totally nutritious and healthy to, to consume. We're not doing that in Canada often best before dates are being used to move inventory. Um, And then it it gets, it's either surplus food, but even then um, sometimes uh, food that's uh, got a best before date ends up in a landfill.
2: So how do we start dealing with all of these different gaps?
0: The innovation challenge that has just come out is like, thank you. That is fantastic. So I do want to give a shout out to that innovation challenge. It's fun. It's exactly, fabulous, and it's just what we need. Um, I also think it's great that they're supporting innovative ideas. You don't have to be an SME, you can be a large corporate, you can be another kind of agency that is putting forth an innovative idea. So that just continue to spark that, that, uh, that creativity within the country is, I think, one of the best things that we can do.
1: And I know just a person who can speak about the food waste reduction challenge, because this is clearly a new way for the government to address systematic issues.
3: Who's that? My name is Mohammed Yassin. I am an Impact Canada fellow uh, with the Privy Council Office and based in Ottawa. I have been working with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada over the past year on the design of the Food Waste Reduction Challenge, and I'm very happy to be here talking about the challenge.
1: Thank you for speaking with me. Can you explain the challenge in Food Waste Reduction Challenge? What is a challenge?
3: Sure. So challenge prizes are basically competitions that provide rewards to whoever can first or most effectively solve a defined problem. They work really well for complex problems such as food waste uh, because what they do is that they help expand the pool of problem solvers and so they work well when a problem is well defined but the solution to the problem or how to get to a solution are really unknown here. So we've seen challenge prizes being very successful in incentivizing and driving innovation in several sectors like commercial space, space travel, self-driving cars, or even solutions to antibiotics resistance. And now we hope that challenges will bring new ideas and solutions to solving food loss and waste across the food supply chain. The
1: food supply chain is pretty complex. Are there different categories within the challenge to deal with different parts of it?
3: So as we know, there is no one solution to food waste. So this is why our challenge has four different streams to support as many different solutions across the food supply chain as possible. We have two streams focused on business models. These are for solutions ready for commercialization. And two other streams focused on advancing new technologies. These are for solutions that are still at the lab and at the prototyping and testing phase. In each of these two categories, one stream supports solution for food waste prevention, that is making sure that no food waste is generated at any place from farm to consumers. And another stream supports solutions for diversion of of food waste. So since we know that some waste is inevitable, we want to support solutions that can create value from food byproducts or waste and divert it from landfill.
1: What type of organization do you expect to participate in the challenge?
3: Yeah, so we expect innovative and new ideas and solutions to really originate from very different places. So when we designed the challenge, as I said, we made sure to test it with a diverse group of innovators. And we so we expect ideas to come from places such as new start- startups or even groups within large or bigger companies. Uh, some ideas will come from the food industry, but others will come from other industries like high tech or even... Parallel industries that had to deal with waste such as textile or pharmaceuticals. And other solutions might come from students, academia, the nonprofit sector. Really the challenge is open to all sorts of innovators.
1: Is this open only to Canadian organization or can international organization participate?
3: So the challenge is open to international innovators. Uh, Many solutions might come from abroad. Uh, What the challenge will do is that it will bring those solutions to be tested and to grow in Canada so that they can benefit Canadian businesses and consumers. What sort of
1: questions have you been getting from the potential participants since it was launched in November 2020?
3: So we've been getting uh, a lot of interest for the challenge, and most questions have been focused on eligibility. Uh, I guess, every everybody working with government is used to a long list of eligibility, but for the challenge, the eligibility is quite broad, so people were surprised. And most answers were, were basically, you are eligible.
1: And how will your team determine the winners?
3: So as soon as the application closes, the team has around just one week to do a full screening for uh, completeness of application. And that will be a very fast screening. And then the applications are sent to a jury of experts and this jury will assess the application and will meet and make recommendations uh, on who should be selected as winners. And then Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada will take that recommendation and select the winners and, and provide funding. The the challenge is in stages actually, and that allows us to follow the innovators through the process of development of solutions. So the first stage is only the concept. So innovators will only submit their idea and concept, and then semi-finalists will be selected. They will move to stage two, where in stage two, they need to show initial results of their solution, and they will show these results to the jury. And then finalists will be selected and move to stage three, where they'll have to grow in the market and and show bigger results. And then the grand winner uh, will be selected after stage three.
2: So with some of the gaps that Denise Philippe uh, identified, I could see that there could be like hundreds of excellent solutions.
1: I'm sure there are good solutions already, maybe some old solution that can even be improved upon. Did Denise talk about any municipalities or organization that stand out in their effort to reduce food waste?
2: Well, for sure, yeah, there are some leaders in Canada.
0: Uh, certainly, Guelph's circular city work is inspiring. I mean, really, they're they're leading in Canada, and I'd say that Guelph is also uh, special in the sense that it has a lot of producers and it's also got a lot of processors right there. Guelph is really great, and it's great that uh, they're being able to work with different players to figure out how they how one company's castoffs are another company's source of material to make into something new. So they are, they're redefining waste. So that's really great. I'd say that Metro Vancouver has been a leader around it's love food, hate waste campaign. I mean, this is where we piloted that came before campaign before we took it national. We are seeing still that, you know, we have an individual province lead in a particular area or another. And, Other provinces are either not following that lead or they follow it too late. For example, Quebec is doing fabulous work around really advancing a circular economy. What can we take from that? How do we all rise to the bar that Quebec has now set?
2: Sarah, we've drawn a circle around the subject, identified the gaps in the system, heard about some leading cities and regions, and we also heard about the food waste reduction challenge. But I want to know, What's going to happen when we have all of those winning solutions?
1: Yeah, I was curious about it too. I asked Mohammed.
3: So hopefully the challenge is working as a catalyst to basically help build the ecosystem of solutions in Canada. So what we hope is that some of this financial incentive that the challenge is providing, plus the non-financial aspect of the challenge, such as awareness, bringing people together, will help the solutions grow and have a high impact on uh, food waste reduction across Canada.
1: Why do you think challenges like this work to solve major social issues?
3: Challenges work to drive innovation because first, they're open to a large number of problem solvers. So they bring new people, new and new players. Second, because they don't focus on financing budgets, but they focus on financing results. So they put all the emphasis on showing results rather than spending money.
1: This is a unique way to kickstart systematic change.
3: Indeed, this is the first challenge that Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada launches, but we hope it will not be the last.
2: And this is not the last you will hear about the Food Waste Reduction Challenge. We're gonna follow up with an episode in Spring 2021 to talk with the winners of the challenge about their solutions.
1: Mm-hmm. I look forward to that.
2: To know more about the Food Waste Reduction Challenge, visit impact.canada.ca. And in the meantime, you know what to do.
1: I do, stop wasting food.
2: And try something new. We love hearing from you, farmers, food processors, anyone working in the food sector and system.
1: What subjects would you like to hear about on The First 16? Let us know. Write to us or use the hashtag the 1st 16 on social media.